Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Life and you're watching this pre- recorded later on. I don't know. I don't know who's watching it, where they're watching it from, where you're at in life. But here, here's what I know: wherever you find yourself on the faith spectrum, whether you're saying, "Ah, I'm not." very sure about the existence of God, or I don't believe in God or at all, or maybe you find yourself where you've really just been growing in your faith a lot, and you're like, you know, I, I talk to God all the time, and, and you know, I have a great relationship with God. Wherever, wherever you find yourself on the faith spectrum, I, I want to propose a concept today that we hold strongly here at New Story Church, a conviction that we have, and the conviction is this is that God is alive and he's constantly moving and acting in the world around us. That God is moving and he's bringing about new creation and new life even here in the present age and he's constantly at work. And not only is he constantly at work, he has invited you to be a part of that work. He's invited me to be a part of that work. He's invited us to join us in his movement. And even those of us today who you find yourself really just far away from any concept or idea of faith in God, I imagine that one of the reasons that maybe you're watching this or listening right now is because even within the the depths of your soul or in your mind, somewhere way back there, you're even thinking to yourself, yeah, sometimes I feel like there's something beyond I feel as if there's something that's existing outside of just this existence. And maybe, just maybe, that's God calling you into something beyond and outside of yourself. Or for those of us who we've been walking in faith for quite some time, sometimes I think we find ourselves in a spot where we function as if God is alive, but he's not always moving and he just occasionally moves, and he occasionally gets involved, but he's not always concerned about being involved in our lives. We kind of develop this concept and idea of God just occasionally shows up. Yeah, he sees everything, but I don't know if he's always working. But I want to make the contention today as we sing in one of our songs here at New Story Church, Waymaker, it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. I want to take it even a step further and say that Even when we don't see it, he is still calling us to do a good work. Even when we don't feel it or understand it, God is moving in the world and he's invited every single one of us to be a part of that movement. Henry Blackaby said it this way in his book, Experiencing God, that he wrote over 40 years ago. He said, right now, God is working all around you. One of the greatest tragedies among God's people is that even though they long to experience him, they don't know how to recognize him at work in their midst. This is what happens so often. We don't see God moving and working around us. And as I've talked about here before, we have this idea that instead of us joining God in his movement, we are waiting for God to just jump on with our agenda and get involved with what we're doing. But God is always moving. God is always writing a new story. He's always bringing about new creation and resurrection life, and he's invited us to recognize that and see that and respond and be a part of his movement in the world. And that's where we find ourselves today in Luke chapter 14 in the parable that we're going to be looking at, the parable of the banquet or the dinner, depending on whatever translation you're reading. Uh, But in this parable, there's a master. He's throwing a party, and he sends his servant out to invite people to the party, And then people begin to make excuses as to why they can't come to the party. 
Let me get Luke chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. But Jesus said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and invited many. And and at the dinner hour, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. Now imagine for a moment that this master is God himself and he has sent someone to you to invite you to be a part of the party. He has sent someone to you to invite you to be a part of his movement. He has sent someone to invite you to be a part of what he is doing in the world. You see, in Luke 14, Jesus is addressing the audience of his time and saying, basically saying, hey, I'm here. The Son of God, God in the flesh, the kingdom of God on earth is is in heaven. And Jesus has been going around all of Galilee inviting people to be a part of this new movement. And over and over again, people are making excuses as to why they don't want to be involved with what it is that Jesus is doing. And what we see in this parable is that there are three people that the servant extends an invitation to, and all of them come up with excuses as to why they can't be a part of the master's party. And this is something that we all have to be aware of. Because oftentimes where we find ourselves is not at a spot of God hasn't been moving, but he's actually been moving and we've been making excuses as to why we don't want to be a part of whatever it is that he's doing around us. As making excuses as to why we don't want to be a part of what he's doing in our lives and around our lives. And what's so interesting and compelling about each of the excuses that we find in this parable, none of the excuses are inherently like wrong or sinful excuses or bad things. These excuses are just general excuses of, some, of people genuinely, I think, believing that they have something better to do. And if we're not careful, if we start to make these kind of excuses when we're invited into what God is doing, very soon what we'll find is that we've been invited to the party over and over and over again, but we've actually been rejecting it, and then we're wondering, where is God and why is he not at work in my life? And it starts sometimes at a spot of, these aren't bad excuses, these aren't wrong excuses, (laughs) but they are excuses. So here's the first excuse that we see in the parable. Once again, these things are not directly bad or wrong. The first guy says this. He basically says, I'm too busy. He, He gets invited to the party and he says, I'm just too busy. I got too much going on. I'm too busy. How many times over the course of the week do you find yourself saying, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, or this one. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired, which is another way of saying I'm busy and I'm tired because I'm busy. We say, how are you doing? I'm busy. How's it going? I'm tired. I'm busy and I'm tired. I found myself saying this. I send a recording of my messages to our executive pastor, Neil Friedman, every single Tuesday so that he can listen to them and say, hey, this sounds good. This sounds bad. And I sent him the recording and I said, Neil, I know this recording isn't as good as normal. I've been busy. And then he messaged me back and said, Scott, you just said the very thing that you're talking about in your message. And I'm busy. But that's essentially what this guy says. Look at this in Luke 14, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The servant came to them to invite them to the party. And this guy said, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Please consider me excused. I have to go check out a piece of land. I'm busy. I got something going on. I wonder how often 
God has invited you to be a part of something. God has invited you to see him at work within your life or around your life, to be a part of his movement. But instead of saying yes to that invitation, you chose to do something else instead, and then you think about, oh, I want to be closer to God, but I'm just so busy. This isn't necessarily about, oh, he chose to do something wrong. He chose to do something sinful. It's more about priorities and wise versus unwise. This guy's priorities, I got to go check out a piece of land. I got to go look at this piece of land. How often have we found ourselves being invited into the presence and the movement and the new creation work of God in the world around us? I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. And we can all get there. I know I've been there many times. But it's not that God is not speaking into your life. It's not that God is not speaking into our lives. It's that we're choosing to listen to other things instead. We're choosing to be involved in other things instead. Look at the next excuse, which is very similar to I'm too busy. I have something better to do. I have something better to do. Yeah, that party sounds great. I'd love to go. I'd love to be a part of it. But I have something better to do. Look at what this guy says. He says, another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. If this guy was able to get this type of oxen, this many in this time period, he would have been considered to be wealthy. I almost see this guy as one of the, one of the good old boys. Like, hey, you know, I just got some ox to go check out. Me and the guys, we got to go look at the ox. We got we to gotta check out my new toys over Because the ox would have been like the four-wheeler or the snowmobile, you know? We got to go check these things out. You know, we got to go see this stuff. We gotta, I, the party sounds nice, but you know, <laughs> me and the boys, we're going to go check out the ox. We're going to have a good time right now. It's not a bad thing. But then if you're sitting around wondering, where is God? What has he been up to? What have you been saying yes to? What have you been saying no to? I've got something better to do. I'm just too busy. And really, it's not that we're too busy or that we have something better to do. We've just been choosing to say yes and no to different things based off of what we desire to do in regards to our priorities. I'm too busy. I got something better to do. Then there's the last excuse, the third excuse. This guy is an absolute genius. He has the best excuse out of all of them. It's, it's, it's a really good excuse. I have family obligations, is essentially what this guy's excuse is. I have family obligations. I have something, you know, I got family obligations. Look at what he says. He says, another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason, I cannot come. I mean, who's gonna argue with that? You got to take care of your wife, man. You got to take care of her. Of course, of course you have to. This is like if somebody came to you and said, God told me to tell you this. Oh, you know, I don't know how I can argue with that because God is the ultimate authority, you know? And if your wife, if she has, if you have to take care of the wife, listen, we're just going to move on. We're going to go invite somebody else. But this is the ultimate excuse. Let me tell you why this is the ultimate excuse. Two reasons. One, I'm about to blow in all of the married people right now. But there are many, many benefits to getting married. We all know this to be true. But one of the benefits to getting married is you now have a forever excuse to not participate in things that you do not want to participate in. (laughs) 
Somebody, hey, can you come do this? I, I'm sorry, get, you know, really got to have some t- quality time with the wife. You know, really, really got to spend some quality time with my spouse. Got to have some good family time. You know, that's what I got to do right now. I'm going to be, I'm going to go be a good husband. And, and then people start applauding you for it. Oh, you're just, you're so great. You're such a great spouse. Good job. You know, you're right. You should be thinking of your family first. This guy didn't even ask his wife if she wanted to go. He didn't even say, hey, honey, I got invited to this party. Do you want to go? No, this guy's using the ultimate excuse. It's the best excuse in the world because nobody's going to question you about it. And then some people, they say it aggressively as well. Have you ever met these people when they use the family excuse? They say it aggressively. Well, you know, I'm married. I'm married. I have things. I'm, I'm married. Do you know that I'm married? Yes, I know that you're married. I rec- and, then, and then I don't have kids. So now people with kids are going to get mad at me because the people who aren't married and have kids, they say this. Well, you know, I have kids. You know what it's like having kids? You don't know what it's like having kids. I have kids, so I can't come to this right now. It, be on time. I have kids. I can't possibly be on time. No, because they run the household, not you. Sorry. But anyways, um, I, I'm sorry. That was rude. That was rude. But anyways, you know, I have kids. I'm married. I have kids. I'm married. I have family responsibilities. I can't be there. I can't do it. I just can't do it. This is, this is the great excuse because nobody's going to question it. Nobody's going to push against this guy. Then this guy, he also, here's another reason why this, this excuse is, is, is genius. And by the way, I've used the family responsibilities excuse before as well. So I'm not, I'm not like up here, you know, better than everyone else. I've done it before. Please forgive me, everyone. But anyways, Here's another reason why this excuse is genius. It's the ultimate FOMO, fear of missing out excuse, if you don't know what FOMO is. It's the ultimate, I'm a millennial, so I can say this, it's the ultimate millennial excuse because he hasn't, he hasn't asked his wife yet. So he could go back to his wife and say, well, you know, I was invited to this party. I didn't know if we wanted to go or not. Uh, so I wanted, I said, you know, I had to spend time with you. And then if you have something better, to do, we could do that instead. But if you don't have something better to do, then I can go back to the guy that invited us and say, hey, the wife, we had a total miscommunication. We're coming to the party. It's the ultimate non-committal FOMO millennial excuse. How many of you got those friends who you know that whenever they give you an excuse as to why they can't go to something, it's because they're waiting for something better to come along. So they give you like a half committed, I don't know, I got to check with the wife and then finally go. And then, and then, then they, they, they weigh out all of their options. And then they decide what they want to do. How many of you have done this before? If you have a reputation for doing this, you might be hurting someone's feelings, just so you know. They always take other people over me. This is, the, this, is what this, this is what this guy does. He has the ultimate, the best excuse. Why do we not always see God at work in our lives? Because we make excuses. I'm too busy. I've got something better to do. I love that. I've got something better to do. This one can be hidden in the... In the oh yeah, you know what? I want to join a story group. I, I want to serve at eight days of hope. Or, you know, I want to join New Story. I want to spend more time with God in my personal life. Or I just want to go, maybe New Story is not your church, but you say, I just want to go to church in general. But you know what? <laughs> I, I got something better to do. It is summertime and summer only lasts so long. Okay, I get it. Summer does only last so long. You want to enjoy some outdoor activities. I get it. But then you get to fall. Well, you know, we got the flannel fest, got the three million flannel fest because everyone's got to wear flannel all the time and we got to wear flannel and drink. You know, fall only lasts so long. I got the Halloween party, got this Halloween party. I got Friendsgiving. Fall only lasts so long. Thankfully in Buffalo, that excuse does not work once we get to winter. (laughs) Winter only lasts so long. No, it lasts far too long. And, and so we, we are making these excuses. I'm too busy. I've got something better to do. I have family responsibilities. 
Not, these things are not directly bad things, but they can end us up in a spot of you're missing out on the party, you're missing out on the movement, and you're not seeing all that God has because you're saying, I, I, I don't know if I can commit. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, have I been making any of these excuses? Have I not been seeing God at work in my life and in the lives around me because I've been making excuses? But thankfully, the story doesn't stop here. Look at this in Luke 14, verses 21 and 22. And the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his servant, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, master, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. There's room. And I'm just, there's so many different characters in this story that we could focus on. We could focus on the master continuing to invite people. We could focus on the people that he does eventually invite, the crippled and the lame and those who felt as if they had been forgotten. But I want to focus on this servant because this servant is quite impressive to me. He has been rejected by three, three different people. He comes back to the master and the master says, go invite all of the people that people don't think that I should invite. Go invite those who have been forgotten. And the servant goes out to invite those people, which is interesting. If I'm the servant at this point, maybe I wouldn't say this, but I'm, as, as, an, as somebody watching from the outside, I'd have been like, my master has lost his mind. Does he not realize that nobody wants to go to his stupid party? Three people have already rejected him. The party must not be that great. Nobody wants to hang out with this guy. And he keeps inviting people. I'd be exhausted. I went and invited three people. There's there's nothing worse than inviting somebody to something and then blatantly just saying, no, not interested. You know, I've invited three people and now my master wants to keep inviting more people. This guy is nuts. He's lost his mind. I don't want to keep doing this. I have something else to do. I can go find, you know, something else to do. I'm sure there would have been consequences in this time period for saying such a thing to your master, but I'm just, I'm very impressed by this servant, and I believe that this servant, in, in a sense, can function as the ideal for who we have been called to be as the church, for how we can participate in the movement and the activity of God, even when we don't always see it or feel it. That this servant said to the master, okay then, I'll go invite those people. I know I've been rejected. I know that this task is not necessarily the most glamorous task in the world, but I will go and invite more people. I will go and invite the people that nobody else would invite. I'm going to run to the outskirts and and extend an invitation to the crippled and the lame and those that everyone else has forgotten about. I will do this. And what this servant decides to do, I believe, is a connection to the calling of the church to continue to move, to continue to move forward, even in the midst of rejection. Because he had been rejected three times. And and when you're rejected, when you feel a sense of rejection, you wonder for a moment, did I fail? Am I a failure? Did I mess up? Did I not hear from God properly because I was rejected? And when you continually become rejected over and over and over, you start to wonder, maybe I didn't hear the command properly. 
Maybe I messed up. Or maybe I'm just a failure. And as I was thinking through this story and this servant, and then what happened when he came back to the master, the master said, there's still room. It meant people started coming to the party who they had invited. Not the first three, but the people that they started going to on the outskirts. And I want us all to see that there is a reward on the other side of rejection. There is a reward awaiting you on the other side of rejection. That when a door closes, it doesn't always mean that you didn't hear God properly. It doesn't always mean that you're a failure. Sometimes when a door closes and you feel rejection, that means that there's a reward elsewhere and he's directing you to an open door somewhere else. Amen. There's always a reward on the other side of rejection. Imagine the reward that this servant would have experienced when he's running and running and he's exhausted and he's inviting people. But then he gets to the spot of finding that person who has been rejected, finding that person who's been forgotten because they're crippled or whatever they were dealing with in that time period that made society say, you should go to the outskirts. And he gets to them and he's already exhausted and he's probably panting and sweating because it's hot outside and he's trying to invite all these people. And imagine what would have happened when he looked them in the face and he said, you've been invited to something. You have not been forgotten. Imagine the reward that he would have experienced in his heart, the joy he would have experienced in his soul when that person maybe began to cry because they thought they were forgotten. They thought that they were lost. They thought that they were alone. But there's a master who's saying, no, you can come in. Imagine the reward that was felt on the other side of rejection. Whenever a door closes, that means that there's just another open door that God has for you that maybe you didn't previously see. When I was 19 years old, I'd been living in Buffalo for about a year. And I remember I applied to intern at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And some other believers had surrounded me and said, yeah, this is a good move for you. This is where God is leading you. I thought, this is where God is leading me. This is where I need to go. And I, and I, and I put this video together uh, for the internship to apply. And I sent in my resume. I thought, this is it. This is where I'm going. This is where God has me to go next. This is, you know, I heard this is ready. I'm ready to roll. And then I ended up getting an email that I was rejected. And I thought, what did I do wrong? Where did, did I not hear, what, what happened? Where did I mess up? And so I'm a 19 year old, not currently in school, no degree at the time, not knowing what am I gonna do next. And then from that place of rejection, God opened another door. And then about three months later, I started dating Kim. Then not long after that, we were engaged. Then not long after that, we were married. Then about four to five years into marriage, we started putting a team together to start New Story Church. And what I started to see was from that place of rejection, there's a reward. It might take some time. It might take a few weeks. It might take a few months. It might take a few years for you to see it. But there's a reward on the other side of rejection where God is calling you to a different door. It just may not be the door that you thought it was. And so instead of feeling defeated, instead of giving up, instead of saying, I'm a failure, it's time to stay focused and say, there's a reward. It was in the depths of rejection, that we were given the reward of resurrection. 
Jesus, who was rejected and alone and betrayed by one of his closest followers, beaten and bruised alone in that place of rejection, died on a cross in a grave for three days, came out of the grave three days later, and from that place of rejection, then came the miracle of resurrection. You never know what God is up to. And he is always working. And even in rejection, he's invited us to be a part of that work. When a door closed, he's just opening a different one. And then the story doesn't stop there. And the master said to his servant, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. He continues to send them out to invite, to bring in more people. And he sends his servant, and the servant is running, and he keeps, he keeps building, and he keeps moving. Did you know that the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, does not just equip you with faith, but he equips you to be faithful? That's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And just as God has been faithful to us, we have now received a calling to be faithful to his mission, to be faithful, to be committed, to be all in. He went all in for us, so we respond by going all in for him. And this servant, he was faithful, he was committed, he was all in. And as we continue to think about how can we build the church, what have we been called to do to write a new story, what we will see is this is that faithful people fill the kingdom. It is through faithful people that we fill the kingdom. Faithful people who say, I might be rejected. I may not understand it. I don't always see it. But you know what? Here's what I do know. Wherever people are, that's where God is. Wherever God has placed people around me, that's where he's working. And so I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay focused because it is faithful people who showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness by doing that when we reflect the fruit of the Spirit, faithful People fill the kingdom. And I was brought, even brought back to a church planter training that I was at just a couple of years ago. And one of the speakers there was Pastor Craig Rochelle. And if you're a church planter, Pastor Craig is like, he's the guy we all, man, he started a church in his garage in 1996. And now 25 years later, they have 35 campuses in 10 different states. It's the largest church in the country by attendance. You're like, whoa, Craig Rochelle, he's, he's the ultimate church planter. So all of his church planters are sitting there with our notes out, ready to, and he gets up and he's talking about how as a church planter, it can be very easy to start focusing on the finish line of, oh, we got this many salvations and baptisms. You start focusing on all of these, all of these outcomes. And he was preaching from Philippians, and I remember him saying, when you're called by God, it's not always about just all of these things that look good. It's about seeing that the prize is in the process. The gift is in the grind. The work is the reward. And I believe that that's what that servant understood, that he kept running and running because he knew the prize was in the process of finding that person who had been forgotten. And the servant knew the master, so he knew for a fact that the party that the master had in store. And he knew that when this person who had felt rejected, who had felt lost, who had felt broken, when they received that invitation, the process of bringing them to the master's place, there's a prize within that. Within the work that you're saying, I've been rejected, 
I don't know what to do. There's a reward within that good work because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. There is a reward within the work. When you're in the grind of every day, in and out, it's tough. There's up, there's down, there's highs, there's lows. Within that, it's not about the superficial stuff. It's within the grind of the every day that we see the gift of what God has in store for us. And we will see that as we walk and live as faithful people, that we have been called to fill his kingdom, to be a part of his activity, and to write a new story wherever it is that we find ourselves. And so today, I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you find yourself one of the first three people and you're making excuses and you know you are. I'm too busy. I've got something better to do. Uh, you know, I, I got families. I got families. You will be the best you for your family when you find yourself being filled by your father. Because he will fill you with his love so that you can be the best you for your family. I got this, I got this, I got this. I got all these excuses. Maybe you find yourself in that spot today where you've been mounting up excuses. Oh, this isn't bad, this isn't bad. But then before you know it, and it's time to reprioritize today. You say, okay, I'm going to pray about it. Don't just pray about it. You'll pray about it and forget about it. You do need to pray about it, but don't just pray about it and forget about it. Today's the day you're going to go home with your iPhone or whatever it is that you use, your calendar. Sorry if you have an Android, whatever it is you use. And you're going to reprioritize today. Today's the day where you say, here's where I can start creating some space. Here's where I can start saying no, where I've been saying yes. Here's where I can cut some things out so that I can be who God has called me to be in these other spaces and places. Here's where I'm going to start participating in his movement and start serving and loving and extending kindness to people. And I haven't been able to do that because I've been so busy that whenever I interact with people, I'm just drained. So I'm gonna start taking some time to draw close to him so that when I go to wherever it is he's called me to go to, I'll be full with him and I'll be able to give and serve where he's called me to give and serve. Today's the day reprioritize. Look at your calendar. Think through that. I have to do this every once in a while myself. If that's you, you've lost focus. You've been making excuses. Today's the day. You go and you, make, you start making things different. Start reprioritizing. Maybe you're here and you are one of those people who you feel as if you've been on the outskirts. You feel lonely, lost, forgotten. And I want you to know today that you have been invited into the family of God, that he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Christ gave his life so that you could have life. He gave his life so that we could live the victorious life, to become a new creation, to turn from our old way of life and embrace the new. He has new life in store for you today. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I give my life to you. And then we can begin a conversation with you as the church to discover what it means to know him and follow him and see that you are truly loved by him and you have not been forgotten and you've been invited into the family. And maybe you're here today and you've been playing the role of the servant and you feel like you've just been running and running and moving and working and doing all of these things. But it feels as if you just keep getting rejected. And my challenge for you today or what I want you to see today 
is that on the other side of rejection, there's a reward. That where you see a closed door, there's an open door. And the prize is in the process. God is doing something in you and he is always moving and working. Don't become discouraged today. Know this today, that faithful people can fill the kingdom and will fill the kingdom. And every one of us has been called to be those faithful people. So wherever you find yourself, I want you to know today that you have not been rejected. God loves you. He sent his son for you so that you can have new life. And in that new life is not just a new identity, but a new call and a new purpose. And within that, we as the church will come together with our new story to write a new story and discover that faithful people